This episode of Let's Think On It comes from an excerpt from O Brother Radio with Will Lockamy, Reed Lockamy, and Dr. Mark Westfall. Um, all right, so last time you were here, we yes. talked about something that's very interesting, which is narcissism. Uh, it's something you talk about forever, but really we just kind of barely at the end hit on a really overwhelming we story a, right now. We had a great question at the end. We were talking about narcissistic personality disorder. Um, we've talked about other personality disorders. Um, this one obviously is in the news currently. Um, and at the end, one of the listeners texted in and said, so, okay, so why does it matter? Okay, so you've, mm. you, you've talked about narcissism, narcissistic personality disorder. I didn't come out and diagnose anybody with anything. I just right. shared the information. And she said, okay, so what if I accept the fact that, that a leader is, has narcissism or narcissistic personality disorder? So what? Why does that matter? Why is that a problem? Great question. Yeah. So I went home. I did a little investigating. I thought, I need to be able to, I mean, I have my thoughts on it, but I always like to get another expert. I mean, I feel like I'm an expert of sure. personalities, but... You know, I, I don't study leaders in narcissism. So I did a little on the interwebs, a little Googling, and uh, came up with a name uh, article by uh, a, a uh, researcher up in New York, uh, mm-hmm. Emily Grijalva. Her number was on the internet. I just caught me. I wow. It, it was right there. She's like a professor. I'm like, oh, let's try it. It's her cell phone. Hot dog. She answered. Uh, hey, she was in the middle of moving, had a, was having a baby or something. I think, you know, at the hospital, I don't know, all this something. kind of stuff. But she answered. Yeah. And I said, you know, like, would you be interested in talking? She said, you know, I would, but I got all this going on. She really is in the middle of moving, and she just moved to cities and jobs and stuff. And she said, but you should try this guy, Peter Harms. I said, oh, okay. She goes, he's in Tuscaloosa. I'm like, oh, isn't that convenient? Yeah. So, uh, so I call up Peter Harms. He says, oh, oh, yeah. And he's, Pretty modest guy. Not, I don't think he's a narcissist, but we'll, we'll find out. Right. He says, oh, he kind of slides in. Oh, yeah, yeah, I know Emily. She was one of my students. In other words, you've called the Jedi master now. You, you, there you, you go. You found one of the Jedi out there, but I'm the master, and you found me. <laughs> oh. So I go interview him. It turns out this guy is a personality psychologist in training, and he's at the Culverhouse School of Business. He's um, associate professor of management. Mm-hmm. So I asked him, like, okay, so at the beginning, I went and talked to him, by the way. I interviewed him for like an hour. So I said, we got to have him on. Yeah. I said, so what makes you a, you know, an expert? And he goes, well, yeah, I'm, I'm trained in personality psychology, and I've been uh, crossed that over with School of Business. I said, well, you know, h- how common is it? He said, there's probably two or three. I said, two or three, you mean in the, in the, in the country? I, mm-hmm. I was thinking state, maybe. I said mm-hmm. country, make him feel good. He goes, no, the world. People who have that, that that sort of mixture, mixture of expertise. Of yeah. expertise. Two or three in the world. I'm like, I just stumbled upon it <laughs> with a Google and a kind person from New York gave me his name. He's 45 minutes away. And right here in Tuscaloosa. Right here yeah. in Tuscaloosa. Yeah. So he's going to join us and he's going to share some of his thoughts on his knowledge of, he really studies um, narcissism and leadership is really his focus. And this guy's, I mean, he's been on CNN, he's been on uh, BBC, he's done lectures around the world. So when I called him, he said, man, I've been waiting on you guys to call. Mm -hmm. He said, I finally made it. (laughs) 
<laughs> dessert. I'm on no brother. You yeah, kidding me? Birmingham I, I said I was no brother. He goes, you kidding me? Well, he had I've been a, waiting. He had to follow deal. up uh, the Washington Post. That's right. Journalist. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, so. Little did he know. Little. <laughs> little did he know. I said, well, you know, yeah. yeah. We, we got to tear away, tear ourselves away from our reflection pool every now and then and that's interview right. some people. So, Oh, so that's going to that's gonna bring our narcissism up just a bit that's getting good. ready for the interview. Oh, for sure. Yeah, makes sense. Thank you, Dr. Westfall. All right, so Peter, let's see if he's with us. Peter, can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. All right, great. So, welcome to our show. Okay, nice to be here. <laughs> that was a, that was a good answer. Yeah, thanks. that was good. Good to be here. He's excited. You can. No, I'm going to say Doctor Peter Harms, right? When yes, I, you should say okay, Doctor Harms. Good, I'm good. sorry, okay. I, I should say that too. I, no, I, you're I, a doctor. You don't have to. No, I think it's we just, just a me thing. We met for an hour, and we we ended up emails, and we've got the first name somehow through all that. So, but I should call him Doctor Harms on the radio. I there you go, Doctor okay. Harms. Okay. All right. So, um, Doctor Harms, thanks for joining us. Um, Again, audience, he's an expert. I, I've explained how he's how he's an expert. Um, yeah. And Peter, I thought it was pretty funny when I asked you when I started the, the conversation. I said, "So tell me why you're an expert." And he goes, "Well, that's kind of an odd thing to ask someone about narcissism, <laughs> starting off a question of why am I so good at what I do." <laughs> it was a test, <laughs> but yeah. sure enough, sure enough. So you've done you've done how long have you studied this, Doctor Harms? Uh, I've been researching this since uh, twenty two years now. 22 years. And so, by the way, this is not like suddenly he just started looking into it in the last three or four years with, you know, with everybody in, interested in it because of the news. The news. Sure. He's been doing this for a long time. He's got some great articles. How many articles have you published? Um, I think I'm up to 105 peer reviewed articles at this point and other stuff. Yeah. I'm fascinated <laughs> to, to know what you can learn new after 22 years. Like, it seems like. Well, a year or two, and you kind of got this thing figured out a bit. But I guess there are just new people that come up to study and, and new situations and examples. That would that would be my guess. Dr. Harms? Uh, yeah, you know, like I don't study individuals so much as just populations of, you know, uh, big samples of people. And, um, you know, I was talking with Dr. Westfall, and I said, you know, our research suggests or shows that, you know, 50 to 70% of workers say that the worst part of their job is their immediate supervisor. And so there's a lot of stories to tell because everyone's got a story about a bad boss. And so, yeah, there's just a, a lot of, you know, there's very few ways to be a great boss, but there's a lot of ways to be a terrible boss. And so we're just kind of clawing our way through them all. And, you know, I'll tell you, one of the things that strikes me in, in recent years as you watch, for example, the Me Too movement unfold, and one of the things I've found myself uh, thinking is like, wow, like all of these people who are in these powerful positions and these positions of influence who also have this sort of like, um, you know, pathological seemingly like problem with uh, the way that they mistreat those around them. And it's made me start to wonder like, well, how much of those, you know, how much do those two things go hand in hand? Someone who, for example, is not that concerned about the well-being of others, how does that also assist them in rising to these powers? So I, I guess there are a lot of interesting sort of connections between the two things. Effect, well, I don't want to say effective, but like, I, I don't know, I guess being a leader who is able to get yourself in that position and also possibly, um, you know, maybe not being the type of person who's so considerate of others. Would you say that that's accurate? Yeah, so there's sort of um, two parts of that. And one is, like, do people who are narcissistic and also study other things like psychopathy and Machiavellianism, you know, do they have an advantage in getting ahead? 
And particularly with narcissists, we find that they do. Uh, you know, if you're in a group of people and someone comes in and they're like, okay, who wants to be in charge? I mean, they're the first ones to throw up their hands and be like, me, 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 me. And um, <clears throat> other people are generally more reticent. So they sort of self-nominate a, a lot. And they, they tend to, to rise. It's not, not a cute, like it's not 100% of the time, but, you know, we did some modeling. And we're like, if you're in a big organization, and let's suppose you get a 10 or 20% advantage every time a decision is made and there's, you know, six or seven levels of your hierarchy, you start to get really sick with the, the bad people up at the top of those organizations if they have an advantage in every round. Um, the, the second sort of part of that is one thing we find with, with leaders is that leaders feel less restricted in their behaviors. And so, for instance, they're more willing to come into work late because there's no one to yell at them. And so... When you get to be a leader, it, it's kind of a disinhibitor of your personality. So you really reveal your true self when you're a leader. And so, like, quite often, the, the nasty sort of impulses that people have, they, they come out when they become leaders. And so maybe you didn't even see it uh, ahead of time, but it just sort of emerges as a consequence. You know, you've got that old saying, you know, power corrupts and absolute power corrupts absolutely. And, and we certainly see that. So you were sharing with me some of your research findings. And, and just to clarify, you know, 22 years of working in this, he's, one of the things he's doing is trying to prove with research the findings. So they're trying to develop the, you know, the questions to ask to figure sure. out the traits within the person and then following those traits within a large sample of number of people and seeing how it affects their job performance. So there's a lot of work involved in his research. So one of the things that you shared with me uh, about leadership emergence and with a relationship to narcissism. And when you say narcissism, you're not talking necessarily about narcissistic personality disorder like me. You're talking about narcissism as a trait, which can go to narcissistic personality disorder. But just the trait, and we can talk about that more in a minute. But one of the things you talked about was emergence as a leader. And share, share with your findings on that. You alluded to it just a second ago, but tell us, what were your, what yeah. were you, you had some specific findings that are now in the literature with regards to emergence of leadership for people who have narcissistic traits? So, um, yeah, just to, to clarify there, you know, what I study is mostly what we call subclinical narcissism. So it's narcissistic tendencies, but it's not someone who necessarily has to go and get therapy. It's not completely derailing their life. It's um, quite often characteristics that sort of emerge when people are stressed out or something like that, or they're just not, again, checking themselves so it emerges. But um, yeah, we find um, small relations, small to medium sort of relationships with um, moving up through hierarchies, which we call leader emergence. So, you know, groups are voting on who should be a leader or, um, you know, your manager selecting people. Again, they self-nominate. So that does tend to happen um, if we, you know, yeah, I was going <laughs> to... You want to hear about the effectiveness side of it? Or, well, in just a second. So the, the emergence, though, did, is there a number? Like, do they have a certain percent advantage to emerging as a leader if you have narcissistic traits? It's, it's about 16%. 16? 16%. 16 like in any given decision. In yeah. any given decision. So, so they tend to rise up through the multiple yeah, sure. hirings because there's, there's an advantage to having narcissistic traits and moving up. Yeah, it, it 
people who don't yeah. have our situation move up as fast. The confidence, so, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's got to be, yeah, it's got to be well, that. That's a good question. So, Dr. Harms, yeah, what, what aspect of that do you think is most tied to that? Which, which aspect of narcissism do you think is most tied to that? You've got, uh, you've well, talked well, to me before about kind of there's, uh, you know, four or five things that go with narcissism. There's dominance, there is mm-hmm. entitlement, exploitiveness, exhibitionism, vanity. Uh, is there more? Yeah. Um, yeah, sense of entitlement, uh, exploitation. I, you, I think you said, you said uh, the major ones, and uh, this, yeah, confidence or what we call sort of leadership authority, like someone who thinks that they're a leader. Um, you know, the way we sort of define narcissism is uh, noxious self-esteem, so that you want to feel good about yourself, so you self-praise, but you want to feel good enough, but like so good about yourself that you, you're not willing just to stop at saying nice things about yourself. So you also have to say nasty things about other people, try to knock them down to create sort of distance in terms of status with them. Um, that's sort of one way of looking at it. Another way is, is looking at those sort of aspects that you were mentioning where there's dominance and vanity and, and uh, sense of entitlement and exploitativeness. And it's really the dominance aspect that seems to get people to, the, to be more likely to be leaders. Another thing that we see is just a willingness to talk. So narcissists are more extroverted uh, than your average person. And we see a lot of effects for just, you know, being willing to be social and vocal in groups. Um, and uh, we, we find, at least when we put strangers together in groups and, and have them work together, um, people seem to misinterpret talking a lot as having a lot to say or having knowledge. And so there's sort of a, a misreading of the situation. And, and as long as the groups don't last very long, like they only last maybe an hour, uh, narcissists seem to be really good at creating those first impressions and getting ahead. Uh, it's only when you've worked with them for a really long time that the noxious side comes out and they start insulting you and insulting the other people around you. You realize that they're jerks. Gotcha. So, so it kind of makes sense that a lot of leaders, um, and your your main your mainly your research is mainly in business leadership, right? Whereas yeah, I it do, also, uh, also political. It's it's almost all business leadership, okay. but we, yeah, we do, you know, clubs and students and lab experiments too. Okay, so they emerge more. Having the trait helps you emerge. So, what happens? with regards to the level of being effective as a leader, once mm. they emerge, how do they perform compared to non-narcissists who have emerged to become a leader? Well, that's kind of the, the interesting rub here is, is that it's, it's at a basic level, neither positive nor negative. Um, when you look at it, uh, but there's kind of this interesting relationship that we found, which was, was something that we just discovered a few years ago, which is, that there's actually seems to be an optimal level of narcissism, sort mm. of a moderate amount. Um, because it's really hard to be an effective leader if you're not confident and you're not willing to talk and you're not willing to sort of take chances and things that would be associated with narcissism. And it's really only when you get to the higher levels of narcissism that those real sort of negative characteristics start kicking in. And so if you're kind of in the mid-range, you've got that confidence, and some people might even call you narcissistic, but, you know, I think a lot of us have met 
good humored narcissists who can sort of make fun of themselves and their tendency to self promote and things like that. And as long as they're not attacking you, um, they're actually kind of nice, you know, they're fun to be around. Uh, if, as long as they can sort of be humorous about it. And that's what I was going to um, actually ask because we said earlier, and it makes sense. Like it takes a while to find out they're a jerk once you get to the certain point, but, but they're not all jerks. I get, I would assume because you could have this inflated, sense of self, you know, worth, but still be a nice person, right? To other people. Yeah. I, I mean, and I, you know, I've got a picture in my head of someone who I've worked with uh, for many years and I would describe them absolutely that way as, you know, really narcissistic, but just a, a, a wonderful person, you know, they're still very giving, but boy, do they love being praised. <laughs> so you share with me, there's a kind of a, a, um, <laughs> a graph that a, of an upside-down U yeah. that uh, denotes the, the narcissism mm. on the x-axis and then the effectiveness. So you start improving in effectiveness, and then you kind of reach a middle ground where you peak, and then after that it starts dropping off significantly with regards to effectiveness. Is that right? That's right, yeah. Okay. So it's, it's, it's really sort of a, a mid-range phenomenon. Yeah. That's, that's the sweet spot is confidence but without antagonism. And the effectiveness or lack thereof is measured how? Uh, well, we measured a, a whole bunch of different ways. Um, and this, this kind of holds for most of the outcomes. So you can ask people, managers, if you know, or their supervisor, you know, whoever's above them, is this person a good leader? Uh, you can ask their subordinates and you can measure the amount of widgets that their units turn out. And for the most part, you find that relationship. Now, there is one where you don't find that relationship. In fact, you find a very strong sort of positive relationship which is when you ask narcissists themselves, are you effective at your job? They say yes. And the more narcissistic that they are, the greater the job that they think they're doing. And so you don't find that mid-level thing. You just see it's like a rocket going up. Which in actuality, their effectiveness is actually dropping off the most at that point. So their view of their effectiveness and their actual effectiveness are the most far apart. Is that right? the further you yeah. get down the spectrum. I was going to say, you know, if you're familiar with what's called like the, um, the Kruger-Dunning effect, yeah. um, unskilled and unaware, yeah, that there's there's a point where your narcissism just kind of makes you completely deluded about the effects that you're having, and, and that's the point that you need to go see Dr. Westfall. But they would, if you ask them, they would report that they are doing a job the likes of which no one has ever seen before. That kind yeah, of thing. just an amazing job, and other people don't get what they're doing. Yeah, right. but the problem is the perceivers and the other people around them, or they'll come up with excuses and ways to blame others for their failure. So it's interesting when you think about that upside down, you know, U curve of, uh, you know, efficacy. It almost seems like you you would also need to like have a transition of terminology because narcissist has such a negative connotation. I mean, do do you think at all about like changing the way you talk about it if someone is like, oh, you're right at the sweet spot there? Or do we still say, no, 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 that's that's still narcissism? Uh, you know, there, there's there's people in our, our discipline who try to use um, other languages for it. Like they'll, they'll call it um, core self-evaluation. So people who just evaluate themselves really positively. Right. And that sort of has that positive connotation, but it doesn't have that nasty sort of aspect to it um but yeah the the thing is is we we never really know like 
what the, the mix is a lot of times. It's like we just sort of, you know, it's, it's, it's done across hundreds or thousands of people. I'm a little bit curious to know, you know, as we, as I've heard you talk about the ways in which a, a little bit of narcissism is a good thing and, you know, what, what gets people to kind of be to the top um, of these hierarchies. I'm curious to know if you've done any looking into, like, what are the other personality traits that might uh, produce a, an effective leader that would be, you know, not riddled with these problematic ideas of narcissism? Like, are there other identifiable personality traits you've, you've looked at? Well, you know, in the, the leadership literature, some of the, you know, it, it's always good to be hardworking. It, it really helps to be extroverted. It helps to be smart. Um, all of those things go into it. One um, other thing that, that kind of has some of the, the nasty consequences of narcissism that I've been researching lately is, is what we've called need for power, just desire for power. And it kind of looks acts a lot like narcissism where like you're just not going to be effective as a leader unless you want to be there. You don't want it. You're going to be terrible because you're going to be pulling back all the time. Um, but people who really, really, really want to be leaders are terrible leaders. Yeah. And so what we find is that um, you do want them to have sort of desire that, that role. Um, but there's, there's another sort of, um, dimension that we label like fear of power or inhibited power where if you're the type of person that thinks about the consequences of power, gosh, that's going to be a lot of responsibility. That's going to be a lot of work. Do I really want to do this? And where there's like a reticent, like you want it, but you don't want it at the same time. And you're a little bit conflicted. Those people end up being the best leaders. Yeah. You, the term uh, you used with me was a reluctant leader. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, we're going to Go hold on one second. Yeah, quick break, and then we're going to come back. And uh, we're talking again about narcissism, but this time specifically about leaders, leaders. and especially uh, with Dr. Harms, who yeah. is an international professional on the, to on the top. He is, and he's pretty much answered the question from the last podcast is, what's the problem with narcissism? It's a problem if it's too much right. to become ineffective. Yeah. So, Dr. Harms, you still with us? Yes, thanks. Okay, awesome, awesome. So, I forgot to mention, Dr. Harms is uh, originally from Canada. Uh, which I throw that out there for a reason, because I'm going to ask him a question. Uh, I asked you when I was talking to you in your office, you're an avid reader, correct? I try to be, yeah. <laughs> and so, I mean, you, he's also very modest. <laughs> you're not going to score very high. How do you score on your narcissistic scale there, Dr. Harms? Have you taken your own test? Um, probably not for 20 years, so I, I couldn't give you a, a current assessment. He just dodged but, that uh, one, didn't he? You see how he dodged that one? That's yeah. a good answer. That's a good dodge. be low. Can be low. So who would you say is one of your favorite leaders of all time that you think was just a great leader? And well, I yeah. I, I guess there's a difference there between, like, who am I interested in and then, like, who who, uh, who I think is a great leader. And, you know, I think what you were getting at is, uh, you know, as I've looked through and, and, you know, with regards to that discussion we just had about reluctant leaders, uh, you know, I, I have to say, I would come to the conclusion that, um, and this is weird for a Canadian to say, that George Washington is probably one of the greatest leaders in history. Hmm. And uh, the reason I come to that conclusion is because he really didn't want to be president. Um, you know, he was given all these opportunities. You want to be like an honorary king? And he's like, no, 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 no. And like, he really, you know, he did it because it was necessary to unify the country. 
and start something great. And he did it because of his values and his ideals, but he, he certainly wasn't doing it to, because he thought like, Hey, I'm kind of a big deal and I should be in charge of everything. And even the history of the word president is so interesting because it actually was crafted so as to not sound like that big of a deal. You're just the person who presides as opposed to yeah. being, you know, yeah. So it's, that's a really fascinating to think about the very first president, um, having, you know, not, uh, you know, gigantic ego that would be problematic. And I got to say, when he said that in the interview, I was I was imagining the uh, stages for the Democratic and the Republican primaries. And my question to myself was, where has George Washington gone? Mm-hmm. In our he's leaders? dead. It turns out. It turns out. Uh, what he's yeah. he's been dead for a long time. Yeah, <laughs> but, but it's a different. You know, yeah, no. It's a good where question. Is, where is where is that persona? Because to get to that point now. Mm-hmm. You can't do it and be reluctant. Well, what was it Douglas Adams, I think, who said that uh, basically his rule was that anyone who is capable of having themselves made president of the United States should under no circumstances be allowed to hold that job. Yeah. And I think that's a good way to think about totally. it. Totally. And, you know, our friend Nick pointed out to me years ago, like, boy, it just feels like anyone outside of or above small time city council no. is probably corrupted in some way. They're probably a compromised in some way. And now I think he's wrong because I think even small-time city council is that way. <laughs> when you meet some of those people. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but I mean, honestly, it's, <laughs> I'm just kidding. We have lots of friends that, uh, yeah, work in government around here and, and wherever else. Um, but, you know, because of my voice on the radio, really that's the only reason, just because I speak my mind and whatever mm-hmm. and people will listen, that people reach out and be like, hey, you need to run for this. There's no freaking chance. There's no chance. I don't, I, nah. I have Running one, for public I'll, office. I'll public office. I want nothing to do with it. He's proven his reluctance. Oh, he's, he could be a good leader. But actually, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. <laughs> so, Dr. Harms, you, you mentioned, you know, who you might hold up, you know, in high esteem as one of the best leaders of all time. So, but you also mentioned, uh, as you were getting to that answer, like the people who you're interested in with, you know, given what you study. When we think about like notable people um, in the business world, because obviously that's part of your area of expertise, who are some who are some people that kind of are germane to your research that people would be uh, familiar with when it when it comes to people who kind of uh, you know have these traits and are known as leaders in the business world? Well, I'll, I'll answer your, your thing in just a second, but um, yeah, if you really want to know who's a great example of a narcissist and look historically. Um, Julius Caesar is a great example because mm. he was sort of motoring around Europe, conquering all these places, and he got to Spain and he found a, a statue of Alexander the Great. And he fell down and started crying because he realized that Alexander had conquered the world by the time he was 30. And Caesar was well past that age and he would never reach that level of acclaim and that like, people would build statues of you in mm. countries that you never even conquered. Uh, so, like, there are really fascinating sort of examples of people who were, like, effective narcissists, I guess, if, if your goal is to conquer other people. Um, but, uh, yeah, to answer your question about modern people, I mean, the, the one I get asked about all the time is uh, Elon Musk. Oh, yeah, sure. Yeah. What about that guy? What's wrong with him? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I like his products. Don't get me wrong. I like yeah. the products. But, yeah, there's something. Yeah, I, I'm, I mean, I, I think it would be fair to say that, that he exhibits a lot of what we would call narcissistic qualities. You know, he's a great self-promoter. He certainly thinks that he's fantastic, that he thinks he's very smart. Uh, he appears to be somewhat kind of vain. 
Um, and one of the real interesting markers um, for me about Elon is is his Twitter account because mm. he he seems to be really thin skinned. Where if people say bad things about him, he'll respond to them on Twitter, just like <laughs> random people. And it's like, do you have time to be doing this? <laughs> you know, like mm. how sensitive can you be? Because really, at, at some point, when you're you know a tens of billionaire, like you think that you wouldn't read other people's tweets. I knew that he wasn't, you know, self-critical enough when he seemed to think that that Tesla truck that they premiered was good looking. That's, I think, when I realized like, oh yeah, he has no capacity for uh, self-critique. Yeah, he's not a normal person, so. Well, there you go. So Elon Musk, I think is definitely, that's when, what we've been talking about. That's, that's what we've been talking about the whole time. Makes right? perfect sense. As soon as you said his name, I was like, yep, that yeah, is it. Really, that's it, all, the thing. it all came together at that point. Yeah. What, what, Lead, world leader, leave ours out of it. Um, I know you have contracts with the government. What world leader would you say might fall into a good example of a, of, a, of a leader who is on the narcissistic scale and has become ineffective because of it? Is there anybody out there, current or past, that comes to mind that was like, whoa, obviously, I think Hitler comes to everybody's mind. But other than that, did you say effective or ineffective? That gets so, so narcissistic that they become an ineffective leader. Ineffective. Um, I think you're watching, uh, you know, my prime minister, Justin Trudeau, back in Canada, who's uh, a very narcissistic person. I, I mean, I've got a, a picture on my uh, computer of it's a photographer taking a picture of a photographer taking a picture of him. And it's like, wow, that is, you know, <laughs> I love right That's there. exciting. Yeah. Um, this is, this is, but, you know, he's found himself where, you know, he's doling out favors to friends and family with the government's money and stuff like that. And uh, again, just not sort of seeing that um, running the country and kind of acting like Zoolander, um, you know, like you just can't do that. So there's that lack of sort of self, self-criticism there. Um, what about, what about I, the uh, North Korea guy, Kim Jong-un? Yeah. Uh, no. Boy, there, there, there's so much going on there. Uh, <laughs> but, but I, I mean, I, I don't know if you could put your, your, your finger on. It. I mean, the weird thing is, is like that's almost required um, for the job that he's in because the, the, the only way that his his people aren't going to kill him is if they think that he's a god. So right? do you think that, so they, Go ahead. Do you think that most people in 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 like dictatorial positions? Or by definition, narcissistic, or I mean, like extreme, like pathologic. But in that situation, it's actually not. It actually doesn't cause them problem. It helps them survive. Well, I, I think it it is a, a problem, but I, I I don't know if he, yeah if he could survive without it, just because you know his family has said that they're born on a holy mountain on like a special day and you know that he has to be in charge because he's the only one with you know the genetic code to to make all the decisions. And so like, yeah, uh, he, he'd be in a lot of trouble if he admitted that he had faults. Um, that's like magical thinking really is what he's, yeah, which is at. what happens with yeah. severe narcissism. That's sure. the whole point. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, yeah. I think I would say, I mean, all the horrific yeah. dictators through history probably had the, that dark personality combination with narcissism in it. I think uh, Vladimir Putin is an interesting one to stop and think about briefly. And, you know, because I don't know, but I, 
I'm not sure that I see that much out of him that strikes me as like narcissist as more as just like evil genius kind of situation. Uh-huh. uh-huh. So I don't know. Yeah. I, I mean, my own impression is what you see a lot out of Vladimir Putin. You know, he's a former KGB FSB sort of guy. And you just see like a cold ruthlessness. Yeah. Yeah. There, where yeah, he's pursuing a vision. I mean, he wants Russia to be on top, and he's willing to do whatever it takes to make that happen. But and, for some uh, reason, it doesn't seem all about him, though. It did, I don't know. It's interesting because he doesn't quite fit into what I would think of as narcissistic, for example. No, I yeah, I, I would have to agree with that. I I think also though, but like being a spy and probably yeah. knowing that other people could um, snuff him out, kind of keeps him from. Uh, showboating a little too much yeah you know a so combination of paranoia, paranoia. yeah par- when you yeah. get a paranoid narcissist you get people who who don't reveal their narcissism it's there no. and they don't reveal when it you think about it. russian literature it doesn't really strike you as narcissistic it's maybe <laughs> maybe there's a different ethos going on there yeah. yeah somehow we have made it to the end of this interview without mentioning Nope, that would just leave it right there. We'll just say, nope, that's it. That's it. There you go. Yeah. Uh, Dr. Harbin, thank you so much. so much. Yeah, this is uh, such a pleasure and, and such an interesting topic as well. And of course, Dr. Mark Westfall brings it as always. To listen to Dr. Mark Westfall live, check out O Brother Radio on Birmingham Mountain Radio, 107.3 FM in Birmingham, 97.5 in Tuscaloosa, at bhammountainradio.com or on the free BMR app. Join in with your questions and comments on Twitter at Lockamy Brothers.